Well, I want to talk to you today about what is probably the greatest verse, or at least maybe the most well-known verse in all of the Bible. And you know the danger when we have very familiar things, whatever they may be, but verses from the Bible, for example, is that sometimes we just fly right past them and we don't even stop long enough to really consider what's being said. We say, oh, I, I know that verse, I know that verse. And, and but yeah, okay, but uh, what, do you really know what it says? So I thought John 3.16 should be what we talk about this Christmas morning. And just in case you don't know the verse, let me read it for you. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one-of-a-kind son, so that whoever believes in him, <clears throat> excuse me, that is the son, shall not perish, but have et <clears throat> excuse me, eternal life. Now, there's four great truths that are summarized for us in this verse. And so what we want to do, because this is the kind of church we are, we're a Bible-teaching church, is we want to take this verse from the Bible, we want to tear it apart and look at the individual pieces and make sure we understand them, and then we want to put the verse back together and get the full impact of what the verse is saying. So, you ready for that? <clears throat> we good? All right, there's four truths here. Let me show you what they are. Truth number one, for God so loved the world. You know, when I first got married uh, 42 years ago, praise the Lord. <clears throat> yes. I had to learn a new language. You say, what, well, Brenda doesn't speak English? No, that's not what I mean. Never before had I been asked how do you feel about this? I mean, in my fraternity house at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, Tar Heels? Okay. All right. Well, forget that. Um, no, I don't, not one fraternity brother in four years ever asked me how I felt about anything. We never sat around on the couch and said, well, how do you feel about this one? Or, no, how do you feel about this? Never did that. And then Brenda, I got married. And so she started to ask me, how do you feel about this? And I said, oh, I don't know. And she said, well, you must feel something about it. And I said, mm, I don't think so. I don't think I do. And she's like, you're not communicating with me. You're clamming up. You know, you're not being open with me. And I'm like, no, no, Brenda, you don't understand. I'll tell you the honest truth. I don't feel anything about that. Ask me what I think, I'll tell you what I think. I don't, I don't know what I feel. Any of you guys can relate to what I'm saying? Amen. <clears throat> All right. Ladies, don't ask us what we feel. We don't know. That's not a question to ask if you want a really great answer. So I've learned to talk that language, though, now. I can, I can do, I can speak that language. But the reason I bring that up is because I wonder what God would say if we said to God, God, how do you feel about the human race? 
You know, there's a lot of people who would think the answer to that would be nothing, would be zero. Because a lot of people, even if they believe God exists, they believe that he sits up in heaven and he watches the world go on below him and he really feels nothing about the world. He intervenes in no way in the world. He's completely disinterested in what happens in the world. But folks, that is not at all what the Bible says. The Bible says that God is intensely interested in every one of us that the Bible says without equivocation that God loves the world and that he loves every person in the world. He loves them personally, he loves them intimately, and he loves them deeply. With my grandchildren, I play a little game. Um, it's based on the old television show, Kojak, if anybody's old enough to remember that. I always would walk up to him like Kojak used to walk up to people, Teddy Savalas, and I say to all my little grandchildren, hey, who loves you, baby? And when they say Papa, I give them a Tootsie Roll Pop. <laughs> to the consternation of all my daughter-in-laws. Yeah, they're like, are you serious? What are you doing? I'm like, hey, I'm Papa. When you have them at your house, you do whatever you want. If they're my house, I do what I want. Who loves you, baby? Here's another one. <laughs> one for each hand. Friends, do you realize God's going around every day saying to you personally, hey, who loves you, baby? And the answer is God does. If nobody else does, hey, God does. And God loves us so much that he gave us something too. Not a Tootsie Roll pop. No, far better than that. God so loved the world, the Bible says, that he gave us his one-of-a-kind son. And of course, we're talking here about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to take time this morning to explain to you why the Bible uses that adjective, one-of-a-kind. But if you go back to my message from last week, when I talked about who is the baby in the manger, I'll give you seven things about the Son of God that make him a one-of-a-kind being. It's on the website. Just go on. The title of the message is, Who is the Baby in the Manger? And we'll do that. But God says this is a one-of-a-kind person that he gave us, a unique individual that he gave us. And why did he give us his son? Watch, truth number three, for God so loved the world that he gave us his one-of-a-kind son so that whoever believes in him. This is what God calls us to, to believe in his son, the Lord Jesus. But this Greek word, the Greek word pistuo here, does not mean believe in the American sense. We say, well, I believe there's a universe. I believe Mars is this. You know, I believe, you know, that, or I believe the other thing. And when we talk about that, we mean intellectual belief. That's not what this word means. This word literally means to rely on someone. This word literally means to cling to someone or something. It means to depend on someone 
or something. And so what John 3.16 is saying is not that God wants you and me to intellectually believe that Jesus lived, that Jesus walked on the earth, that Jesus did some miracles, even intellectually believe that Jesus rose from the dead. No, what God is asking you and me to do is to rely on these things, to depend on these things, to cling to these things, to cling to what Jesus did on the cross, excuse me, as our one and only remedy for sin, as our one and only entry ticket into heaven, as our one and only escape from the judgment of a holy God. That's what God's asking us to do. And when we do that, he makes us an amazing promise. And that leads to the fourth and final truth. God so loved the world that he gave his one-of-a-kind son so that whoever clings to him, relies on him, and what he did on the cross for us, here we go, that number four, that person shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. You know, I don't know about you, but I love to know what my options are when I'm faced with a choice. I want to know, well, you know, what, 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 are my, what are my possibilities here? Here in John 3.16, I love the fact that God tells us what our options are for eternity. He says we have two. We can either perish or we can have eternal life. That's it, folks. That's all that's out there. It's one or the other. Those are our two options. And which option does God want us to take? Well, friends, God loves you, and he loves me. And of course, he wants us to take the option of having eternal life. And that's why he sent Jesus to the world 2,000 years ago. That's why Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, so that option number two to have eternal life would even be available to us. Without the death of Jesus, we only have one option for eternity. So thank God for making another option. And I love one word in this verse so much. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his one-of-a-kind son that, say the next word with me, Say it, whoever, what a great word, whoever believes, whoever believes. Folks, listen, God doesn't care what you've done. God doesn't care where you've been. God doesn't care what you've said. God doesn't care how you've lived. God doesn't care how many horrible things you may have done. Whoever means Whoever, and if you've got breath in your body today, you are a whoever. You know, when I was in college 42 years ago, I'll save you the trouble, I'm 68. Okay, just so we get that behind us. Um, when I was in college, I, um, I was one of the nastiest people that I have ever met. 
in all 68 of my years. He said, what do you mean nasty? I mean, nasty in every way you can imagine. I had a nasty mouth. I had a nasty mind. I had a, 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 you know, a filthy imagination. I used drugs. I sold drugs. I pushed drugs. I smuggled drugs from Europe. I, uh, I partied hard. I had lots of women. I drank myself into oblivion more nights than I'd like to think about. I dropped LSD five times a week. I had a warrant for my arrest and was running from the police in Chapel Hill. I um, got my girlfriend pregnant and forced her to have an abortion against her will. You say, you know what? You really are a rotten person. I told you. I told you the truth, right? And I'm more rotten than that. If I really told you everything that lived inside of me, I'm so rotten, you'd get up and walk out of here and say, I don't want anything to do with this human being. But I was still a whoever. Yeah? I was still a whoever. And when Jesus Christ was presented to me in the spring of 1971 in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, thank God I was a whoever. And I believed. And I committed. And I changed what I was clinging to to get me into heaven and put my trust in Christ and the work on the cross that he did for me. And, wow. I'm still that same rotten person down on the inside, but I thank God for the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me and keeps that side of me, keeps my true nature crushed under his feet so that I can live for Jesus and accomplish something for the living Christ in my life. And let me say to you, that's what God wants to do with you, my friends. You don't need to fix yourself up. You don't need to clean yourself up. You don't need to dress yourself up, and you don't need to pick yourself up. All you need to do is come to Christ, and Jesus will take care of the rest. And if you're here today, gosh, folks, and you know Jesus, how wonderful is it that you were a whoever also? Praise the Lord for that, huh? You were a whoever. Whoever believes... Whoever believes shall not perish. Wow, praise God. I thank God that he is not a respecter of persons. He didn't come for the rich, and he didn't come for the powerful, and he didn't come for the famous. He came for whoever. Praise the Lord for that. Whoever. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ to be your Savior, you've never relied and clung to what he did on the cross for you, then we're going to give you a chance to do that right now today before you leave here, because you're a whoever, and God wants you to believe as well. Let's pray. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a short little prayer where we're just simply going to tell God that you're willing to renounce whatever it is you're trusting right now to get you into heaven and to pay for your sin, and you're willing to be a whoever, that whoever clings to, whoever relies on Jesus and what he did on the cross, you're willing to be one of those people. And so I'm going to pray one phrase at a time, 
out loud. You pray silently right behind me. Are you ready? Here we go. Lord Jesus, I come to you today because I want to be a whoever. I want you to come into my heart. I want you to grant me eternal life. I want to know for sure I'm going to heaven without a doubt in my mind. And I want you to change me like you did long into a different person here on earth. person with peace in their soul, a person whose life becomes functional and usable for God. And so today, I renounce every other remedy that I've ever trusted to pay for my sin in the sight of God, to get me into heaven, and I transfer my trust right now onto Jesus and his work on the cross for me, shedding his blood to pay for my sin and rising from the dead to prove it. Come into my heart, forgive my sins. Grant me eternal life like you promised and begin changing my life here and now. I surrender my heart to you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.